Hey, everybody. What's happening? It is December 31st, 2022. It is the last day of this year. I am sitting in a hotel room in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I had two comedy shows, two sold-out comedy shows. I wasn't the headliner, but it was sold out. Two great shows at the Comedy Catch, two shows tonight. By the time this is posted, they'll be over, so you missed it. Sorry. Check my website for new dates coming up, paulollinger.com. Anyway, I'm sitting here. It's Saturday afternoon. Alabama versus Kansas State is on the uh, tube in front of me. Alabama's kicking the crap out of Kansas State. No no surprise there, guys. But, uh, of course, it's delightful to see Alabama not win a national championship. Georgia games tonight, so hopefully we'll see a victory for the dogs. Anyway... For those of you who have never listened to Crazy Money before, hi, this is not a typical episode. This is not what I do. It's, it's a much more straightforward, linear interview show. And if you're interested, by all means, check out some of the previous episodes. Over four years, we've explored the topic of money and happiness. Does money and success and status and fame, does it lead to fulfillment? That's the key question we explore on Crazy Money and over 167 episodes, I believe, we've talked to everybody from my late father to my wife to LL Cool J to Moby, the electronic dance music uh, pioneer. We talked to Sir Angus Deaton, the Nobel Prize winning economist who did the study about, uh, who co-authored the study with Danny Kahneman. And I call him Danny, not Daniel, Danny Kahneman of Princeton, both Nobel Prize winners, about uh, the declining marginal returns of wealth. Who else have we talked to? PGA champion Rich Beam has been on the show twice. New York Times, Your Money columnist and author of a couple of very good books. Ron Lieber has been on the show. Oliver Berkman, the English, I'll call him a philosopher, but he's an author and journalist. A tremendous number of fantastic people that the podcast has, has allowed me to talk to over the last four years. And they've been very open to exploring this, this topic about the, the sources of fulfillment in life. And as we get older, as we become middle-aged, perhaps it's a time where we start going, am I living the kind of life that I want to live? And are the things that I expected would create value and bring me happiness in my life? Are those things really, are they really playing out the way I expected them to? This is obviously, a, it's a luxury to have this podcast and to be able to explore these questions. So I don't want to lose sight of that. And I don't want anybody to think that, oh, money doesn't make you happy. Money does make you happy. You need a certain amount of money to live the kind of life that is absent of chaos or as chaos is absent. You know what I mean? If you don't have enough money to pay your bills, your life is chaos. If you don't know how you're going to feed your kids, if every time you start your car, you're worried whether or not it's going to, it's going to start, that's not the kind of life that is going to be a happy life. You have to have economic autonomy to have a certain level of happiness. So I don't, I'm not downplaying at all the necessity of money in our world or in our lives. I think it's highly, highly important. But I do think that beyond a certain point, which by the way is a, a phrase when you start researching money and looking into the way human beings relate to it, beyond a certain point is a phrase you hear over and over and over again. And beyond a certain point, it's not necessarily more money that's going to get us where we want to be from a fulfillment standpoint. I know a lot of people with a lot of money who are pretty miserable human beings. And it's because they've chosen to dedicate their life to the wrong things or they've, they're working in jobs that they just don't like. And 
these are good people. They just have sort of become trapped in a lifestyle. They've been they've gotten trapped in a in a profession that when they were 25 sounded glamorous and cool. And now that they're 50, it's like, damn, I got to do this for another 15 years. And so I think it's important and I want to help spread the word about, you know, thinking about things beyond just affluence. What does it mean to be personally fulfilled? So that's what these conversations have been over the last four years. Yes, we've been doing this four years. The first episode was an interview with Jessica Ma, who I believe was 28 years old at the time. And she was the CEO of Indonero, an accounting software company. And at the time, she was worth $100 million. I should have looked up what she's worth today and where that company is. But she's this beautiful, young, incredibly successful entrepreneur. And she told us about how hard it was to date when you're worth nine figures and you've got your own plane and she's taking flying lessons and all this. And it's just really interesting to hear her perspective. And we've talked to people who have nothing and we've talked to people that grew up with nothing and eventually achieved success. So we, we're really looking at it from a lot of different perspectives. And, and I, I'm going to continue to to explore what that means as we go forward in 2023. This all started as loyal listeners to the podcast know because I grew up with everything I needed in our house. We just didn't have a ton beyond the basics, you know. And there were six of us, and I had two loving parents that were amazing and stayed together for 55 years, raised their kids, educated their kids, loved their kids, protected their kids. But for me, and maybe it's because I was the fifth of six kids and I didn't get enough attention, I always felt like I wanted more. I wanted someday I was going to be successful. I was going to make money because, because then I'd be important and then I could have a cool car. And by the way, I do, and I like my car, my new car a lot, by the way, because the, these new things, having enough would make me feel cool and I'd have status and and join country clubs, and I have, and it's cool. And what you find out when you get there is like, there's always another country club to join, and there's always somebody who's got a cooler car or a bigger house or more money. Friend, I have friends that fly around in their planes. I have so many friends with planes, and I don't have a plane. I can't even afford a NetJets card. Oh my God, I'm so sad. But seriously, the origin of this, this comes from this wanting money, this making money, and then the having of money, that is a bizarre human experience. And once you get what you've dreamed for, you go, oh, now what? Now what do I do? And so that now what question, after quitting Facebook at 42 years old and retiring without a plan, I just kind of goofed off and found myself lost and bored and lonely and going like, what, is this all there is? Shouldn't I be doing something? Shouldn't I be contributing? Shouldn't I have someplace to go every day? And eventually I decided that I wanted to dedicate myself to stand-up comedy writing and the podcast. And that's where all of this came from. So that was the original, the original intent. Explore the connection between money, happiness, wealth, and meaning, informed by my guests' points of view, expertise, research, et cetera, but also by my own experience and really this deep desire to live a meaningful life without, you know, uh, selling all my belongings and sitting under the Bodhi tree or whatever. So that's why I started the podcast. And over three years, we've had amazing guests like the ones that I've, I've listed. And my life has been enriched in many different ways through the podcast, not just because I've gotten to know and, and become very friendly with many of these podcast guests, people that I never would have met otherwise. And I've been enriched through the connections that the podcast has 
developed for me from a personal standpoint. I've met a whole bunch of new friends. I'm connected to people that I went to high school with, to people I lived in Dunwoody, Georgia with when I, in 1982. I'm connected to people from college and grad school and, and Yahoo and Facebook where I worked because of the podcast, because they're listening and they're sharing feedback and they're telling me, you know, that, that it means something to them. And, and that's a huge, huge thing. You know, the amount of work that goes into the podcast is pretty massive actually. And so, you know, for every episode, I'd say for three quarters of the episode, I've read a book by the, by the guest. So that's anywhere from, you know, eight to 15 hours. I write a bunch of questions down I scheduled the interview. My friend Mike Carano edited the first three and a half years of, of all those episodes. He puts in, geez, anywhere 10 to 15 hours editing. And then there's all the, you got to write the show notes, you produce social media assets, you put those out there, all in an effort just to get people to notice and listen. And so for every episode, I'm probably putting in, I don't know, 25, 30 hours worth of work. It's nuts, plus the work that Mike's doing. And so, you know, you hope for, if this is a almost a full-time job, you'd hope to say, well, I can show growth. I can build something that will be at least a break-even proposition. But it's not. It's very expensive to produce because it takes a lot of, of labor to produce it. It takes promotion. It takes travel sometimes. I've gone to Princeton. Uh, I've gone to New York. I've had interviews in, in a lot of different fun places. Los Angeles. I got to interview Judd Apatow in his office in Los Angeles. And so the expectation, the hope is that, hey, you want to build this into something that's going to scale, that's going to be, that, that we can monetize with advertising or partnerships. And, and while this has led to some very good speaking opportunities, I've done some speaking for YPO, the Young Presidents Organization, and I have some other events for them coming up. I spoke at the Stansbury Research Conference in front of hundreds of people back in October, and that was a first-class event. Uh, Scott Galloway was the headlining uh, speaker on that, so it was a, it was flattering to be included in that list of uh, very good speakers. So it's led to a lot of good stuff, but I'm really hoping to grow this thing. I really do want it to be bigger, not just because it'll break even and maybe even make some money someday, but be, or that it's going to lead me to fame, notoriety, whatever. Although that you know that could be nice. I don't know. I haven't really experienced that, but I really believe in in the purpose of the podcast. And I want more people to experience it. I want to drive more conversations among the most successful people, among the people striving to be successful, among people who are getting by, uh, but know there, there's more there for them. I want to be, I want people to help. I, the other day, somebody said to me, and she knows who she is, said to me, we're millionaires, but we're not rich. And I was like, come on, come on. Do you, listen to what you just said. You just said you're millionaires in the United States of America. You're millionaires and you live in a beautiful suburban home and your kids go to good colleges and he's like, but you're not rich. Hell yes, you're rich. You're totally rich. You just know you're just not the richest person you know. And that's the, that's the way the steepness of the 1% curve can screw with our heads to think that, oh, well, I'm worth you know millions of dollars. I'm like the wealthiest 99.8% of people on the planet. But because I know a dude down the street who's who, who has ten thousand more dollars than I do, or ten million more dollars than I do, then I'm not rich. Yeah, you are. I want more people to grapple with these questions and to see the reality behind money and and their personal situations and and how comparison and habituation, getting used to money, really messes with our heads. So that's why I want to grow the podcast. Earlier in 2022, 
I made the decision to hire a production company with some very smart, very thoughtful, very talented people who helped me produce the podcast over the last six months. These guys produce other more popular podcasts that they have helped to grow. My theory in hiring these folks was that they were going to help teach me a few things about distribution and marketing that we're going to be able to turn up the volume on growth for the podcast. And one of the ideas they had was that if crazy money is going to grow and appeal to a bigger, broader audience, that we have to take on more controversial type topics. And it makes sense. As my buddy Eric Hawkins said to me, former Yahoo, former launch.com buddy, former Facebook uh, colleague, very, very intelligent guy said to me, he goes, Paul, tell, help me answer the question, how does crazy money tickle my lizard brain? He might not have said tickle. Then again, he might have. How does it tickle my lizard brain? And I think that's the right question to ask. Think about what, when you see shows on Netflix or TV about, or other podcasts about money, what are they about? They're about crime. They're about greed and scandal and this and that. And we, we like things, we're attracted to things as consumers and as audience members that scare us, that turn us on, or that motivate us, right? So it's either like, they say in publishing, the top three books are basically lose weight, make millions, and get laid. Those are the three main human motivations when it comes to publishing. And I think when it comes to money, you know, some of those same things are playing into the equation here. Like it's, how are you going to help me? If you look at podcasts, it's like, how are you going to help me get out of debt? How are you going to help me make a million dollars? How are you going to make me start my business or murder mystery in a wealthy family and, and affairs and all that kind of stuff. And that simply isn't what I'm interested in. I mean, what I'm interested in is exploring the topics we've talked about, money, happiness, wealth, and meaning. That's what it's about. And so for 2022, we produced some really good episodes, I thought. And I interviewed authors of books that were about very important topics like the opioid epidemic. Barry Meyer, the author of, of the book Painkiller, which is about, which is a 20-something-year-old book, and it's about the Sackler family and OxyContin going back 22 years ago. And this is before, or 20 years ago, sorry. And this is before it became a regular thing to hear about kids from the neighborhood who, who died of a fentanyl overdose. And so, you know, it's really interesting to think about the role of greed and how it changed the composition of America, that what we're afraid of as parents today is very different than it was 25 years ago. And in this one case, it has to do with, in, in large part, to the commerce conducted by one family and the, and the lies that their company told when bringing Oxycontin to the market. I interviewed the authors of a book called Boundless about uh, Carlos Ghosn, the guy who was the CEO of Renault and Nissan simultaneously. And now he got... He got caught embezzling money from Nissan. I think it was embezzlement or, I don't know, it was diversion of funds or something to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. And he snuck out of Tokyo in a guitar, like in an amp case, like in a, like in a, in a musician's amp case. And, and the story is like incredible. I, it, it, similarly, I interviewed the guy who wrote the book, Too Big to Jail, which is about HSBC, the global bank, laundering $16 billion over like eight years in their Mexican branch. Uh, they laundered $16 billion of El Chapo's money. And his book was fascinating also. All of these things were really interesting. And, oh, uh, Spencer Jacob, the guy who wrote the book, the, um, 
the revolution that wasn't about the the GameStop and AMC stock, the meme stock phenomenon of 2021. Fascinating stuff that has to do with money in our world. And I'll once in a while pick up more conversations like that going forward. But I really do want 2023 to get back to the fundamentals of what crazy money is about. And, you know, we're going to make a few changes. We're going to try to make the show, we're not going to make it silly, but we're going to try to make it just more organic, more listenable, a little bit less academic. I've learned a lot from reading uh, the books of the academics. It just doesn't have the same kind of like, oh, that's an, that's an electric episode that I've got to share. You know, it doesn't have the same kind of like, oh man, I feel so, I feel so great after listening to that. It's more like, oh, that was satisfying. But when you look at the numbers, those kinds of shows just don't scale. It's not that I won't have these uh, men and women back on the show or these kinds of academics on the show. I think we'll just have, we want to have more authentic conversations with them as human beings and less as academics where they're just kind of, you know, summarizing the points of their book. I think that's the thing. Oh, and speaking of men and women, I haven't been doing a good enough job of getting women on the show. And it's always been in the back of my mind that, look, I, I don't believe in diversity for diversity's sake, all right? I'm not a person who's checking boxes based on some degree of um, political need to do so. But I do think when I see a comedy show, and it's a showcase show, meaning more than you know, two or three people on the show, you want a variety of energy. You want to have uh, different points of view. It's not that you you necessarily want to say, hey, we want to have one black person, we want to have one gay person, we want to have one young person, one old person, et cetera, just because you're supposed to. But you're, it's better because there's this variety of energy. There's a flow of points of view that lead to a better show as opposed to just a bunch of 26-year-old dudes talking about uh, Tinder or, or Uber or whatever the hell they talk about. So that's going to be part of the thing too. Anyway, I think the, the show will benefit from having uh, more diverse points of view, including more women on the show. These are kind of some of the things that we're going to get back to in 2023, back to the roots of money, happiness, work, and meaning, uh, more organic conversations, more conversations with people that you don't know that'll just be more fun. Definitely want to have some more celebrities on the show because I want to be able to um, pretend that I'm important like they are by association with them. And we're just going to try to make it a little bit more fun. I'm committed to this. And I have to tell you, as we end this year, 2022, that I am enormously grateful to you for everything that you've done to encourage me, to give me feedback, to help me get better along the way. And I just appreciate that you're interested. And so thank you. I do want to ask you for a continued favor. There's over 2 million podcasts on Apple Podcasts. And, you know, the way that people get discovered, the way podcasts get discovered is generally, and you're competing against, you know, everybody's competing in the same ocean, right? And so I'm competing against Discovery and NPR and ABC television and platforms that are just massive. And so the way for podcasts to get discovered has to be, you know, it has to do with the quality of the guest and the search engine optimization uh, of the of the text written to describe the episode and the title of the podcast and things like that. But the number one way people are going to discover this podcast is through recommendation and through listeners sharing it with their friends. And so I want to ask you two things. Number one, if you have not done so already, please rate and review this podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please scroll down to the bottom of the show page 
rate and review. Write a review. Uh, we've got a pretty good, decent number for a podcast of this size, but more is always better. Say nice things. Don't say things like somewhat funny host, like the guy that wrote my second to last one said. That's not helpful. Don't say somewhat funny. You've never seen my comedy, but maybe that's my fault. Maybe I'm, we're not bringing enough comedy into the podcast, and I think we're going to do more of that. I know we're going to do more of that, in fact. Secondly, share this podcast with five of your friends. Think of five people that this would mean something to pick your favorite episode that you've ever listened to and email it in a link with a link to that episode to your five best pals who would get something out of it. That's the way this thing is going to spread. And I appreciate everything you've done to advocate for me and for crazy money and the conversations we have here over these past four, four years in episode number one and two, uh, number one, number two is with Dr. Drew Pensky came out on January 30th, 2019. So yeah, this is four years later, folks. We've taken a break over the last couple of weeks doing new episodes. We're working hard to think through who the best, most compelling guests will be, what kind of conversations we should have with them, and how we can create the most engaging format possible. We're going to get back to you with new episodes in February of 2023. In the meantime, join the Crazy Money Listeners group on Facebook because there you can uh, tell me what's going on and uh, you can give me feedback on the episodes and I once in a while share a few things that are going on in my head and I would just love your feedback and I think that more of us that can uh, bad ideas back and forth together would continue to make the show really, really good. So thank you for everything you've done to uh, continue to reward me for, for these conversations I am incredibly grateful to you, and I wish you and your family a healthy and prosperous and fulfilled 2023. Happy New Year.